0: Welcome to the Part 6 Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Readings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man on Twitter you know as Jepp at DT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? All good. The buy period has finished. There are only nine rounds remaining in the season. How about that? Business end, isn't
1: it, mate? It's uh, it's time to uh, take the risk, I think, now, hey?
0: Just about. The I've got some data... That I've um, dug up from the top 25 teams. Now just going to go back and see what they scored over the three-week buy period. So from rounds 12, 13, and 14. So the top 25 teams. So round 12, the top 25 averaged 1739.5 points. In round 13, that was 1894.7 points, and in round 14 it was 1802.8 points. So Most of that top 25 was stacked into round 13, so it's interesting there. So the average out of the top 25 for the three-week period was 5,437 points, and that equates to an average of 1,812.3 points. Um, Just some high scores there over uh, the top 25. So in round 12, the highest score was 1,895 out of the top 25 teams. In round 13, the highest score was 2060. Amazing. Cool. And the highest score in round 14 was 9, 1955. So, out of the top 25 teams as well, the three best scoring teams were team uh, ranked number two, uh, scored 5,583. Uh, Team rank number 13, 5,595. So that's fantastic. And team rank number 17, 5,574.
1: Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, look, they're great scores. Um, I think most did really well over the buy rounds. Uh, The last buy round, obviously, just gone, was the toughest. The toughest for for me and for... um, for those averages, across, especially in the round 14, that's pretty impressive, and that's why they're in the top 25.
0: Excellent. Okay, as always, if you retweet any podcast link from the Plus 6 podcast Twitter feed, you go in with a chance at scoring a Plus 6 podcast gap. Uh Just didn't, did a little bit of a giveaway there on the weekend, so we're going to give a few more away at the end of the season, and we're going to do some more comps throughout the remainder of the Home and Away season there as well. So just keep a look at, on the Twitter feed for that as well. Also, AFL Ratings Twitter feeds, so jump on those and follow along. So plenty of fantasy content there as well, or I ask in return for the content, uh, likes and retweets. Additionally, the fantasy content on aflratings.com.au, so jump on there, plenty of injury stuff there on there as well. Uh, remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, June 22. And as always, definitely, as always, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. Just a couple of things to go over again. As i said previously in the last couple of weeks, uh, coaches make adjustments coming off the buy. So just keep a look at that for the second half of the season. So it's new and adjusted roles for players. And also be aware of fixture and time changes as well, uh, especially for trades coming up this week. So we've got some fixture changes in there already. So just keep an eye out for that. Your thoughts there, Jep?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's, we've got to keep up with the news. I think the first four rounds have taught us that anything's
0: possible and things are fluid, so um, we just need to adapt. Okay, on to some general questions, Jep. So here we go. What are the three key areas to focus in on now that we have completed the buy period?
1: So obviously the priority is making your last few upgrades. I think that's number one, um, getting that sorted. Number two is picking the PODs now. I think, you know, nine rounds to go, there's uh there's not a lot left to gain if we're striving for the overall rank. So it's it's time to take the risks and, and sort of gauge the fixture and, and see who's got the easy runs and who's gonna hit those high ceilings. So it's, it's that, the PODs, um, across all lines. And then lastly, it's just making sure we've got backup plans. Um, I know it's a rolling lockout and we can hold trades, but anything can happen and, and those um, sudden trades can, can force our hands. So making sure we've got a backup plan that's decent and, um, and, yeah, we should be good to go for the next nine weeks.
0: OK, for me, it was maintaining a close eye on returning players from injury. So cheap options may look good for the week upcoming, but beyond that, they could have job security issues. So the one this week would be Kieran Briggs. So he was a bit of a target last week. So yeah. with Shane Munford available to return this week, whether he returns or not, who knows? And he's pretty much a favourite of Leon Cameron. You would think at this stage, uh, because he's been favoured over Matt Flynn as well. So you just got to be keeping an eye on injuries and when players are returning. Port Adelaide's in that scenario as well. And also the depth of a playing list. So obviously Mitch Duncan does go out with injury, but that the Cats have pretty good depth there as well. So just really keep an eye on that and monitor that. So upgrading those final few players, keeping in mind the differential in points when upgrading. So if you were to do like a Sean Darcy to a Brodie Grundy, you might get 10 or 15 point uh, payoff this week. But if you did like a... Um, a rookie or 400k player that's averaging 60, and you could get to like a, you know, not, not really like a Lockie Whitfield type, but like a Jake Lloyd type, um, you could be looking at like a 50 or 40 uh, point upgrade. So uh, keep an eye, obviously, your break-evens and your cash flow and where that cash is going to be coming in from, and whether you can wait a week on a trade. I know I've said previously you can go early. But yeah, right now we're chasing points and yeah, that point differential for that one week could be the payoff for you and better in the long term. Also targeting, as you said, Jeb, targeting unique, but I'm going to add high ceiling players. So uh, right now for the rest of the remainder of the season, if you're going to crush through that ownership in front of you right now, you've got to target some unique players. And it's those high ceiling players we're going to get into some of those on this podcast right now. Okay, Jeb. Brody Grundy, is he the number one priority this week for those that traded him out? What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I don't think he's the number one priority. I think he'd be top three, but it just depends where you're filling the lines. Many is going to have Amadi as an R2 or in their forward line, and I think Amadi's shown us that he can dominate in the air and take those marks and get the plus sixes, kick a couple of goals, so he'd be... You'd be set with that um, on field, but obviously if Armandie's your last rook on field, you, you look to upgrade. So Grundy, I think Grundy's going to do, the break will do wonders for him as a bigger fellow and, um, you know, the pressure off the joints and, and he's got a heavy workload and has a had a heavy workload for a number of years. I think he's going to come back really fresh and really great. Um, Sean Darcy's not a great tat ruckman. He does only average 25. I think Grundy's going to get, get him there and um, score pretty well. He's obviously a bit more mobile than Sean Darcy. So, um, he'd look, if I could do it, and I've got other issues to sort of iron out, I would. Um,
0: but, yeah, it's not... There's a lot of choices this week, and, and Grundy's still pretty expensive. So, for me, it's based on what your number two and three option is. So, if you've got other issues to deal with, you maybe you can wait a week or two on Grundy. However... The FOMO with not having Grundy is going to it's going to get very very real very very quickly. So if he bangs off a 130 140 uh, this week against Fremantle, man, it, it's going to be a monster target. And not only that, um, he's a low owned player right now, and he's a high ceiling player. So um, the low-owned, I've talked a lot about ownership, and this definitely mm. is a low-owned player, and he's obviously pretty much in that number one, number two ruck uh, situation there so just on that ruck situation there as well, could you have this towards the end of the season? You have Gorn and Grundy, R1, R2, could you have Darcy in the forward line as well? Could you be could you be rolling with that towards the end of the year,
1: Yeah, I, I likely will be rolling with that, Um you know, Darcy scares me a little bit with his injury history and likelihood, but, you know, you can't die wondering here and now. I, I still think Darcy's a top six forward, so, and Grundy and Gordon obviously the top two rucks, so, yeah, I think that's a very likely scenario for many.
0: Okay, on to Sam Walsh. As I said earlier in the year, I said he could be the one that be targeted for a tag. Now he's had yeah. some, some run widths this year. But on the weekend we've seen Matt DeBoer apply a very hard tag, and we've seen what sort of flaw Sam Walsh does have, and it's pretty poor. So what can we re- expect for the remainder of the season? Your thoughts?
1: Ah, oh, look, disappointing. Um, he, he, we, we know what he can do, and he can bounce back, and he's got a high work rate, and he's a proud fella and of his football club, and the club need him. But you know the way Carlton are going. They didn't help him out at all. He's probably a lone ranger there. It's It might be an uphill battle for him to get back to the, you know, the 100-plus scores we know he can score.
0: So the concerning thing for me, Jet, was that David T got in that press conference post-game and he said he tried to move Sam Walsh around. That's not what you do. You, obviously, the old Mick Mouldhouse theory was that, you know, with Ben Cousins, and I heard this on radio on the weekend, is that, you know, Cousins got a tag early in his career and he was shut down. And Moldeis said, no, he's got to learn that because he's going to get that for these next 200 games. So pretty much Walsh could be in that scenario. But David Teague came out in his press conference and he said exactly the opposite of what Moldeis did. And we're talking, this is like a long time ago, but Moldeis said, man, he's got to play, but he's got to learn to deal with it. And and David Teague said, yeah, we moved him around. But the the, the tag or the cooler role, as per Adam Simpson, it could be on for the remainder of the season. Maybe not really hard, but man, they shut out Sam Walsh and they pretty much shut down Carlton. The Blues were okay in patches, but they were pretty much non-existent on the weekend again. So his points floor isn't sustainable for his price for the remainder of the year. So if he's targeted for the remainder of the season, man, I'd be getting the hell out of there, and I'd be getting the hell out of there very quickly. What are you thinking there?
1: Yeah, it's um, and these are the calls because Walsh is highly owned. You have got to make the call now, or or back yourself in for the rest of the year, in my opinion. Um, you can't sort of half-ass it and then trade him out in two weeks. You have got to make these hard calls. Um, you know, those that live on, you know, that want to be a bit different, because I think the majority will hold, given what's Carlton's run is coming up. Um, but yeah, I think trading him. Could, uh, could pay dividends for, to gain
0: rank for sure. So another player that's in question here at the moment is Scott Pendlebury. So he started in midfield early in the season for the Maypies. Uh, then he hurt his finger, which we didn't really know at the time. So I believe he might have cut his finger or whatever. So Buckley puts him forward So pretty much to, to play and his legs are OK, so he was able to run, he's able to get a little bit of the ball, but it was to protect his finger. So since then, he's gone back into the midfield, and he's played a little bit in defence at a half-back as well. So both midfield and half-back are really good premium scoring positions for a player like Pendlebury. So now he's dropped a stack of salary due to his low scores, obviously playing forward. Now he is monster value. So he plays in the midfield recently and a little bit of half-back, and his scores have returned, and his scores have returned to a pretty good level. So at his price, he is monster value for me, uh, Jeb, but... But now I do love the trade, it's value, and I'm saying getting him in. But it's a change of coach, so you've got to factor that in just a little bit. Uh, But he is healthy now after that finger concern. Again, a midfield or halfback role are both premium scoring positions. For me, a lot to like based on value. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think
1: we can rule out that the forward... Him playing half forward doesn't work I for thought, Collingwood. Uh, I wouldn't have thought he um, And you're not getting the best out of Pendlebury playing in there. So I, I rule that out pretty quickly, but gee whiz, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, for me, I struggle with it. I'm still struggling with the top six forwards. And when Pendles is available under 600 grand as a forward, I think it is, you can't say no to it. Or well, I can't say no to it as it stands, but. You know things will change probably, so I'm all for it. Even though his high ownership is likely to come, and his uh, his ownership, as we speak, is sit, sitting at nine percent. So, you know that could well be eighteen to twenty percent by lockout. And and rightly so. So sometimes you just got to go with what's sensible, and Pendlebury is a sensible pick.
0: All right, Jeff. we're going to get into some ownership now. So from round 14, so there's a top 25 there. So the Rucks are gone 100% owned, so that's locked in. Sean Darcy, total, 40% owned. Roley O'Brien, 20% owned. Brody Grundy, just one team at 4% owned. Your thoughts?
1: Wow. So if you're that one team... You're pretty set um, because, you know, Darcy's almost a hundred grand cheaper if he doesn't own him. You would assume he probably doesn't, um, and he can probably look to bring him in this week or Pendles. So, yeah, it's. Um, I think the O'Brien owners are probably the most nervous, eh? Uh,
0: not sure about that. I still think O'Brien's going to score quite well, but, yeah. Um...
1: He's probably another one that would actually do really well after the rest,
0: thinking yeah,
1: about yep, it. Yep. You know, bigger, bigger unit. Um, big load on his time and, and his body, and he's been playing injured, so a week rest does wonders.
0: Okay, looking at the defenders, Jeb, we're going to go a bunch of wholly owned players to start with, so Rory led 96%, Lockie Whitfield 92%, so that ownership sort of just hit max in two weeks. Uh... What we've got here is Isaac Cumming, 76%, Sam Doherty, 72%, Tom Stewart, 52%, Dan Houston, 48%, and you've got to imagine that's going to climb again next week. Your thoughts on any one of those players?
1: Yeah, so Cumming and Houston, the lesser likes, the cheaper of the, uh, the traditional primos, so people cashing in on value, and that's no surprise given the challenges we've had with injuries and,
0: and quality rooks. Okay, so I'm going to give you a group of low-owned players uh, that can be used in defence. Callum Mills, 40%, so it's still quite low, I would imagine. No, I think he's been pretty solid this year. Oleg Markov, 32%. Jaden Short, 24%. Jordan Ridley, a little bit of action there from Ridley on the weekend. Is it 20%? Jake Lloyd. One of the uh, regulars uh, for defence in AFL Fantasy, it's 20% only. And Nick Haynes did see some ownership spike there on the weekend. So it has gone up to 16%, I would imagine, there as well for this week. That would spike a little bit. Your thoughts on any one of those plays that you like?
1: Um, I think, yeah, Mills is the one with the role. And hopefully Jake Lloyd. I still have belief in Jake Lloyd, even though... He's been somewhat below the steps to start the season, or halfway through the season.
0: So those are the two for me. Okay, on to the midfielders, Jeb. So we've got Tim Taranto, 100%, Locked. Zach Merritt, 96%. Tom Mitchell, 96%. Jack McRae, 88%. Sam Walsh at 72%. So my question to you here is, one player from that group that you would jump off ownership. Who is it? Of course it's Walsh course it's false
1: you know that's uh that's a big number um and hopefully some of the coaches in the top 25 are listing and, and we're probably enforcing their their trade choices here because it makes yeah that makes total sense it makes total sense in that scenario especially if you're around 20th or in the teens i think yeah you, you take definitely take the punt you've basically got a live and die that, by that
0: decision and, and, and trade him out and see if he can climb rank. Okay, some low-owned... Well, I agree with you on that, Walsh, on that, uh, just that one play out of that group there. So just on to some low-owned midfielders to target. So Darcy Parish, 40%. Lockie Neal, 24%. Did see an increase on the weekend from when he returned after the buy. So Andrew Brayshaw, 20%. Ollie Wines, fantastic this year. Uh, 20%. Marcus Bontempelli, same boat as Wines, 16%. Callum Ward struggled a little bit, 12%. Jack Steele, high ceiling player, just at 12%. Brad Crouch on fire recently, 12%. Jack Cripps, 20%. Patrick Cripps, a little bit of action there pre-buy, that he was okay, 12%. Joe Lyons, high ceiling player, 12%. Andrew Gaff, he was one of our favourites early in the year, but here's Volatile Scoring, 8%. And Took Miller, Just One Coach, 4% owned. I'll add three more there for you, Jep. 0% ownership, top 25. Clayton, Oliver, 0. Cam Guthrie, 0. Ben Key, 0. All high-ceiling type players. Give me a couple that you like there.
1: Yeah, Oliver. I definitely think, again, going into the business end of the season, where Melbourne want to be, they want to finish top 2, so for sure. I love Took Miller. I'm a Took Miller owner, and I think the standards he set um, for his team, he's a natural leader, um, and that's going to continue. You know, He's All-Australian at this point. Uh, they're the two for me, That, um, and ironically, I own both of them. So, yeah, they'd be the two I'd be targeting.
0: Yeah, there'd be about eight there that I could target quite easily if I wanted to flip my midfield. Yeah. But but Took Miller, for sure, uh, do, I reckon he's bulletproof almost at this stage. Uh, Bontempelli, he's been fantastic all the all this year, man. His his ceiling games are there. It's been actually uh, a pretty good year from Bontempelli from a fantasy point of view. And I'm going to give a third there to Lachie Neal. So um, he looks like to be have his inside contested ball uh, game back, but Marco O'Connor probably awaits him this week. So it's got to be interesting for those that might have a decision if they're targeting Neal to see what happens. You know. If, if they think that Mark O'Connor is going to go to him again this this week But uh, Neil was struggling with a back injury early in the season So just got to wait and see how that plays out Maybe, who knows Alright Jeff, onto the forward line So some highly uh, owned players here Josh Kelly locked in 100% uh, Aaron Hall 96% locked in uh, Nick High 92% locked in So pretty much everyone's got him Lockie Hunter in the same boat, 84%. Dustin Martin, 76%. So five players. So pretty much the top five, uh, the top 25 have decided those five players are locked in. So, But yeah. my question to you is, name one player who, that you would jump off ownership. Who is it? It's Dustin Martin because of the
1: tag he attracts and the attention he attracts. And I, I can't... He... Dusty can be lazy in game, so I, I would jump off Dusty in that instance. Um, if I have another choice of be behind as well, because, you know, that throwing him far forward, obviously it didn't happen against Hawthorne, but if, if um, run's going to mix the magnets around, he could, uh, he could suffer.
0: Three premierships, th- three Norm Smith medals, uh, one Brownlow medal, and, yeah, okay. Yeah, no.
1: Look, I, it sounds crazy, but I stand by that comment because he—I've just found him lazy in games. And with the again, maybe a rest will do. He wonders too. Who knows? And you know, Richmond have always peaked at the right time in the last three years, four years. So, um, but he just looks, yeah, he just looks a little step step lazy for me. And um, it's hard to score. People forget how hard it is to score three figures in AFL fantasy, and you've really got to accumulate. Mm-hmm. And I have found that this year, Dusty in the midfield has not been utilised as much as we've known him to be in the past.
0: Uh, the one player that I would jump off there would probably be uh, Nick Hyde. So uh, 92% ownership there. So obviously he's had a fantastic year for the Bombers, coming back, playing in that half-back role. But yeah, he'd be one player that if I was going to jump off ownership there, that'd be that'd be it. All right, Jeff, I'm going to go into some low-owned players to target. So Jack Siebel, a big ceiling game from him last week, obviously. Now, the, the most important thing there for that game for Siebel last week was that the Lions had 68 inside 50s. The Kangaroos only had 44. So the inf- inside differential was monster. And then all of a sudden, Zach, Jack Siebel has a plenty of kick, kick outs or kick-ins, so however you want to define it. Uh, and scores quite large. So he's at 12%, still side-bottom. I'm still not sure on side-bottom there, uh, but he's averaging quite well recently, 8%. Patrick Dangerfield, haven't seen that much of a fantasy game since his return from injury at 4%. Now, a couple of 0%s there is Scott Penelby, We have mentioned him previously. And also, Dane Zorko I'm going to throw in here. I did say early in the year, which was correct, and he did say on the radio pre-game that he was dealing with his... Achilles injury but give him uh, some time off and he's had an extra week because he was suspended last week so he, he's had a couple of weeks to freshen up and he's actually been in very good form this year so if you're really looking for that extra point of difference there Zorko would be one I would start to target there as well so Jeb, who are your thoughts? Yeah,
1: Zorko for sure um, like him, I uh, definitely still like Pendles as we have discussed earlier so yeah, the forward options we keep it simple. I think Zorko, I would love to get Zorko in this week, but just can't make it work. Um, and those with a bit more cash and, and you know, um, thinking that the majority will go Pendles this week, given his price, maybe if you want to be a bit different, a bit sneaky, you go Zorko mm-hmm. if you've got the cash and and hopefully Pendles is, uh,
0: you know, below 100 or below 90 and you might gain a bit there. All right, Jeff. So who are your top five targets for round 15? So just assuming uh, that you don't own any. So uh, if you've got them, you can still say them as a target. So who are your top five? So you would be Grundy. Yep. Pendlebury. Mm-hmm.
1: Darcy. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: ch- ch- uh, Lions, sorry. Yep. Jared Lions. And Bonton Pelly. I have Tuk Miller, Marcus pally Jack Steele, Dane Zorco, Brody Grundy. So interesting there.
1: There you go. Look, it, the high ceiling players is what I'm all about, and yeah, Took Miller is one that just misses out. Again, love him. Um, Oliver was the other one I thought of. People, a lot of people would be off on Oliver after what he, you know, he dissed up an 80 odd against Collingwood. So making those calls this week when, when not many are going to is, is where you might climb a little bit
0: so the issue is just on that and targeting high selling players they're not cheap so uh, it could take a couple of weeks to extract enough cash to upgrade to these types what do you think in there, Jeff? yeah and that's that was kind of my theory during the
1: buy rounds um, to get to a Miller is a lot easier in a three trade week than it is in a two trade week isn't it so I brought in, over the buy rounds, I brought in Took and Parrish, amongst others, and Taranto was a third. And they're all very expensive players, but you could basically kiss those chances goodbye in a two-trade um, two round. So that was my theory behind the madness. Yes, I've gone on expensive players, but I've gone expensive players with very high ceiling, and I'm basically banking on... Uh, a lot of coaches not having them ahead of me, all of them, but they all got to perform in the same week, don't they? So we'll see how it pans out. Um, high risk, high reward. Still value elsewhere, um, and that's where you you can tick a lot of boxes and sort of stem the tide with with your um, with your scores and, and getting your balanced um, team with no with no rooks and and no underperforming you know mid prices or premiums as well for that matter. And then you can play with it. You know, I'm really looking forward in three weeks, two weeks for me to really start saying, oh, okay, let's get a bit funky here and potentially trade out a Jack McRae, as hypothetically. And I'm not saying it could happen, but you look at those options and look at everyone's matchup. who might get a tag. You know, if if you had a full team of premiers this week, do you trade a Josh Kelly with his ankle concern? That kind of thing. So... Can't wait for that um, and I think the sooner we all get to that point where we have the luxury trade rounds, um, the better we'll do in rank and overall rank
0: Alright, we'll get on to those value players in a minute, but first we're going to target some uh, break-evens, so negative break-evens this week so I'm just going to run you through the group jet. so Joel Amati for the Swans, minus 29, Luke Foley, minus 24 Luke Edwards, minus 23 now a heap of players coming back to the West Coast. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Ned Reeves could be back in town. Uh, minus 21. Uh, John Segler wasn't as good last week. So I would imagine Reeves at some stage is going to get another look in that Hawthorne team. Uh, Max Lynch you would think would make way for Brody Grundy. Minus 10. Nick Bryan looks like he's on the adder. Sam Draper has returned. at Essendon. Uh, Josh Trash, he's actually still at uh, minus 3. So he might be one there at the target. But Tabaner looks like he's going to return. And Kieran Briggs looks like he's under instant pressure with Shane Murphy returning, but we'll see how that plays out as far as selection goes. So minus three there on Briggs. So just a thought or two on any one of those players, Chip.
1: Yeah, just the, the main two is Amadi and Foley. I still believe Foley is going to pick ahead of Nelson in the Eagles 22. I could be wrong, but that's the way I see it. And then is the no-brainer, um, given what he's given to the Swans
0: in his two games or three games already. So um yeah they're the two we need to target so the one more special mention here is uh john newcomb so he had a monster amount of tackles in on debut so 14 of those but when those tackles dried up so did his uh scoring ability and obviously uh he didn't record that many disposals on the weekend so he's now even has jumped to seven so hopefully we get a decent return from newcomb this week jep what are you thinking
1: yeah I, I expect him to bounce back um He just didn't look at himself like, well, he didn't look like the way he was against Sydney with that tenacity and that hunger. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe he's a bit
0: flat, a bit tired. Um, Yeah, he's hoping for a big one this weekend. Okay, Jeff, other players to consider below 750k? So, we're going to run through a list there. Just one or two lines on each of those and we'll zip through these pretty quickly. So, Andrew Brayshaw, last three, 104.7, 749k, break even to 97, low owned. What are you thinking?
1: Love the pick, especially going forward now. Uh, You know, Frio really needed to develop his game um, for next
0: year, and he's going to be a prolific player next year. Okay, on to Jack Crisp, last nine, 103.8. So he's been pretty solid. 745k break even, 123. He's up there a little bit, low owned. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I'm not worried about a role change with Crisp at all, so I
0: think he's still a safe bet. Okay, Brad Crouch, last three, 123.3, has shown a ceiling game. I quite like him a lot, 744K, break even at 78, which you pretty much should be making money this week. So still low owned. Jep. What are you thinking? Yeah, the thing
1: concerning with Crouch is he'll play well if the team plays well. So St Kilda in the bottom eight, you'd think they'd have their challenges winning games from here on in. So it's a no
0: for me. Christian Petrarca, one oh four. 0.5 from his last two season average 106.5 739k 103 break even low owned so he was pretty big last year Jep but he's pretty much low owned this year and everyone's jumped off but he's uh, a definitely a unique there available
1: yeah and he's a sneaky sort of pick isn't he um especially against Essendon doing this week i can see him doing pretty well
0: Lockie Neal, a uh, big target last week. So round 14, he scores 111. Obviously had his injury issues earlier this year. And he's at 728k break, even of 115 low owned. But uh, Mark O'Connor could be a chance to go to him this week. Jeb, so let's let's sort of focus in on the remainder of the season rather than this week. I like him as a long-term pick. What are you thinking?
1: Um, I thought the conditions really suited the style of game that Lockie Neal plays, and I'd be hesitant to trade him in over the next couple. I would like another couple of weeks, so I might sit on the fence on him.
0: Okay. Okay. Onto Jake Lloyd. So, obviously, the Swans have changed their game style this year. They've been more uh, efficient moving the ball forward rather than holding the ball across halfback, where Lloyd has seen a lot of plus sixes over his career. So, his season averages 98.9, um, 722k, break even on 116, which is around about where he averages anyway. So, low owned. I actually think he's a pretty good target here. Jeff. what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I still think so too. I, um, I, I back him in and he's. Hopefully, over the break, the Swans have identified that he needs a bore a little more.
0: Sam Doherty, last three, 90.3. So a bit of a decline here from Doherty. 7.22K, break even to one twenty, so it's jumping up there. And high ownership, Jep. Is this one player also that we need to jump off, potentially?
1: Oh, I Yeah, I'm not, I've am not i not been a Doherty fan um, for various reasons. He's a fantastic player and all the rest of it. But from a fantasy thing, I think...
0: In defence, we've got way better options. Andrew Gaff, 84.8 from his last four, so big decline. So 708k now, so he's getting into that value range, but break even at 132 maybe we can wait one or two weeks to make sure he drops down around about 650k range. So low ownership, Jeb. Um, Could he be a target again soon?
1: He'll he'll improve. With, With Shuey and Kelly coming back, he He's actually... People may not have realised how much inside mid he's played, and the fella can't lay a tackle to almost save his life um, sometimes. So a little bit lost, and I, I expect big scores out of him now that the Calvary's back for, for West Coast. So watch this space.
0: So remember Luke Shuey came into that team and he started the target Gaff. Remember that was the big game. Yeah. It was the throw the, the potato chips on the ground and he just went yeah. crazy? Remember that's what you did? Oh, Absolutely, so, my so, so you put that experience back into the team, and all of a sudden they start to target Gaff. So, are we, are we going to see that for the remainder of the year?
1: I, I think we are. Maybe not straight away, because the Bulldogs are a high possession team. Um, but I think long term, and the way the Eagles want to play, uh, Gaff will be coming back in for form. And as soon as he bottoms out, there'll be a lot of coaches jumping on him, trust me.
0: So that's just a, a bit of a recall there that I remember that game. Obviously, we both remember it. We both had Gaff, mm-hmm. but it's just that senior experience and that trust to know that that's my player. I'm going to him all the time. So that's where Gaff and Shui and, and Yo and all these players could sort of gel together again. And obviously, uh, Gaff, Gaff can hit those ceiling games again. You're thinking again?
1: Yeah, great. T- totally agree. I think um, he's going to surprise many, but um, and and he'll be more accustomed to the outside role that he's used to instead of the
0: inside role.
1: Gaff doesn't score as well, weirdly, playing as an inside mid, and it's just because of his tackle numbers.
0: Okay, on to Tom Stewart now. Season high in round four and even 121. He was fantastic last week. 705K, break-even to 93, medium ownership. Jep, I like him. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, he was really good. Um, people have been pumping up his tyres after his performance on the weekend, and rightly so. I think the coaching staff and someone that looked at the game a little bit closer, like myself, you've got to realise how much pressure the Geelong mids put on the ball handler, especially for the Bulldogs, and that allowed Stewart to just peel off and, and dominate. So if Geelong can keep up that midfield pressure on the kicker and the runners... Stewart is going to have a really good back end of the season.
0: So most teams, opposing teams this year, they've, they've actually tried to engage Stewart to make sure that he doesn't get the ball. And mm. obviously with the, the change in rules this year with the, the man on the mark rule where, you know, you, you can't guard the mark as possible. And therefore teams used to just bomb it over the top and he used to take those intercept marks. So with that man on the mark rule, teams are more efficient going inside 50. So, uh, Combine that, therefore, Stuart hasn't seen that many ceiling games. But yeah, on the weekend that he was uh, highly influential. So if we get some of those games to finish out the year, he should be a pretty good target there. Okay, on to the next one, Jai Simpkin. So his last three is at one twelve point three. Now he has had high midfield usage at centre bounces all year for the Kangaroos, and he's starting to get his fantasy game together. I like him. Seven hundred K break even of eighty low ownership. You're thinking?
1: Yeah, Jed Anderson might um, come back in a couple of weeks. That. Throws things a bit, but generally, in my head, I'm trying to stay away from the prolific midfielders of the lesser teams.
0: Okay, onto to Steele's side bottom last five, 96.8. He's actually been quite solid, Jep. Not 684K, break even of 103, low owned. What are you thinking?
1: Oh, he's... I'm just nervous about him, I suppose. But Me too. It's just the injury, you know, I can just see him pulling a calf or a quad or a soft, any soft tissue. So, yeah... No, I, I can't do it
0: yet. Yeah, trust not there really. So I bought him and easy aging there, so if you're a bit of an is there, it's a good excuse to get off. Okay, on to Patrick Cripps, last five, 97.4, 663k, 100 break-even low owned. Um, I, I think it's okay to target him, but I think there are uh, a lot of other value players are about. Jeff, what are you thinking? Well, you
1: know, you compare Pendles to Cripps, which would you prefer? It's obviously Pendles. So there's a lot ahead of Cripps, Again, Carlton not in great shape, so you, you would avoid, I think.
0: Okay, on to Luke Ryan. So 107.5 from his last two games, 612K, he's really down there in price, break even of 75, and he is low ownership. So with a few defenders coming back into that team for Fremantle, that's sort of freed up Luke Ryan to uh, take those intercept marks, and he's well-utilised coming out of defence. I like him at that price. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, being freed up, you know, has its massive advantages and, and he's still cheap so point of difference like we talk about does he have the highest ceiling probably not but um yeah one to definitely not
0: ignore dustin martin last three ninety 612k break even is 69 but he's got high ownership there so it's just one of those things if you don't own him and, and you you're moving into high ownership is that you might start to look elsewhere but otherwise i think he's pretty solid what are you thinking Jeff?
1: Yeah, just with, further with Dusty, he there's going to be games where he gets another 120, 110, but there are other games where he's going to get 68, 75, or whatever it is. So he's traditionally a roller coaster scorer, and I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, I
0: want I want the consistent high scoring players. Okay, Broly O'Brien last three ninety nine point seven. So he's still really cheap there, Jeb So he's at 603 k And break-even obviously is low at 65 So low ownership there as well What are you thinking, Jeb? I still like him Yeah,
1: the, the ownership in the top 25 doesn't You know, and that obviously extends beyond the top 25 Doesn't appeal to me that much I think Yeah, I just don't want to muck around and go straight
0: to Grundy But
1: That might be lazy. Being different is sometimes my preference, and that would be picking a Raleigh O'Brien, wouldn't it?
0: On to Scott Penabry. So his last two is uh, average 101, so obviously a bit of midfield usage and halfback usage. So hopefully it's midfield there. So 592K is going to be a massive target this week, Jep. So his break even is 76, lower owned, but I expect that to be uh, medium to high owned by the end of next week, Jep. You thinking?
1: Yeah, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer for me.
0: Onto Dan Houston, so um he's also down low in price, so he's had his shoulder concerns this year. Last three, ninety three point seven, so five eighty four k, so he's monster cheap as well. Break even at seventy two, but he has medium ownership. I still think he's a pretty big target. Jet, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, agreed. I still think he's a really good pick. You know, I um, I watch him real closely. I've traded him in on in round fourteen. Watch him real closely. And righted, or rode every possession. Um, and probably could have
0: done better than he actually did. So yeah, still a lot to like with Dan Houston. So one player we flagged a couple of weeks ago was Nick Haynes. So it was Sam Taylor injury. So Haynes was a, a target to go back, and that's exactly what he's done. So he's averaged 101 from his last two, 512k, still cheap enough. Sam Taylor is getting close to return, so you've got to keep an eye on that as well. He's got a monster a low break even of nine, just 29. Again, 512k, low ownership. I still think he's a pretty good target. Jet, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I'm still cautious. The only reason why I'm cautious is the two soft matchup matchups that he's had, um, and Cutler butchering the ball going forward as well. So um, for the price, that's what you're going for, isn't it? It's sort of a a, a couple of um, steps to, or a step up to before a primo. So you can either go straight to a primo one trade, or you can go
0: Haynes for a cut few weeks and then go to a primo after. So one more play I'm going to throw in here. He has had his injury concerns. It's Deion Prestia. But he's 560K and break the to 92. And he is obviously low owned. Jeff, what are you thinking?
1: No, I can't do it again. It's much like the side bottom. The soft tissue history, it's just too risky. Imagine, like, and I feel so sorry for uh, Duncan owners after what happened last weekend. Um, and that could happen with Prestia as well.
0: All right, Jep, we're going to get on to some uh, listener players' requests. So thank you for sending those. No. So these are the players that we haven't already covered. Um, I did throw, throw those in the podcast for those that were requested. So again, thank you for sending those in. We're going to do a five-pack to finish off the podcast. So, Jep, just a quick like or dislike to finish off. So Carl Amon, last three 106.3. So he's up there, 673K, break-even of 88, low-owned. Like or dislike, I'm actually a like. I'm a dislike, I think um, the ceiling is what he lacks On to Hugh Greenwood, so last four 94.3, but he has volatile scoring there, Jep 671k, break ever 99 low ownership, I'm going to say dislike, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, no, dislike for me for sure um, Big tackler obviously that's where he gets the bulk of his points um, but yeah he can really struggle to get his hands on it sometimes, and if he does he's a handball happy player
0: Shea Bolton so his last 70s averaged 101.1 so it's been actually quite good 675k break even of 101 there as well so low owned um there's, he can average and put up pretty decent scores and he's quite unique so but I would be still hesitant going there so I'm going to say dislike
1: it's dislike for me again he doesn't have the ceiling at this point of the game we need to have the players with the big
0: ceiling Okay, Toby McLean comes back into the AFL system, so he was a late inclusion last week, so it was great. Round uh, 14, he scores 81, so 5.17k break even 68 is obviously low owned. So, but for me, I'm still not going there because the, I can't trust his scoring, and who knows what's going to happen in the next few weeks when, since he's only was a late inclusion in round 14 yet. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit like um,
1: he's a bit like Haines, where he's that step. Um, half a step before the primo, isn't he? So, it may suit a few that, um, you know, looking to trade out Sam Walsh, for example, to McLean or whatever, and and can upgrade elsewhere. So it just depends on the circumstances, but dislike for
0: me. All right, last player here, Jeb Sam Draper comes back in. He actually played quite good last week against Ben McAvoy and John Segler. So round 14, he scores 83. He's at 457k, which is really cheap, right? given at 65, low owned. Now, for me, I'm going to say dislike, but if you really want to mix things up, it's probably, it might be someone you can target, but I still don't trust his scoring, and I don't think we've seen enough at him at AFL level to actually trust his scoring. So, just for me, I'm going to say dislike.
1: No, dislike for me too. We can't muck around. We've just got to get the... Um the players at the ceiling and that are going to dominate I think people's mentality needs to be bringing this player in for the rest of the season. Is he going to be great for the rest of the season? And for Draper, I can safely say no. All right,
0: Jeff, final thoughts ahead of round 15.
1: Uh, yeah, keep up with the news. Um, not many rooks around. So, Pick up the value, I think, Amadi and and the cash generation that he provides and potentially a foley, if I'm right, with Nelson going out of the 22. So making sure that's one of your trades this week and, yeah, good luck.
0: Yeah, just be smart in your decision-making. Obviously, keep in mind your trades ahead. So start to plan ahead in a two-by-two trade scenario. So. Uh, just keeping an eye out for that, yeah, and FOMO is going to be real um, with a few players to hit out the remainder of the season, especially with potentially Brody Crandy coming out really quickly, Jep. Yeah, good, great, 100%. All right, guys, uh, thanks for listening in. Uh, that's it for episode 95. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.